Hola, hola, chulas. Hi there. We are experts in intuitive eating for on-again, off-again chronic dieters, and we are here to help you take the guilt and stress out of eating so you can become the first in your family to break the diet cycle, just like we are in our families. We want you to be who you are without food guilt. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, No More Guilt for Melissa and Your Latina Nutritionist for Delina. Are you ready? Let's break the diet cycle. Hey, it's me, Melissa. Before we start, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by No More Guilt with Melissa Landry. What you are about to listen to is not a professional coaching or counseling session. Each episode is a one-time conversation meant for educational purposes. Look, we're dietitians, but we're not your dietitian. Remember that podcasts don't constitute treatment. If you have concerns about your dieting behaviors, seek out guidance from a medical or mental health professional. And if you're looking for the process, support, and focus you need to live life without food guilt, apply for a coaching program from today's sponsor, me. I'm currently enrolling clients into one-to-one programs, group programs, and I recently added a do-it-yourself format, the Ex-Dieter's Guide to No More Guilt. Apply for a program at melissalandrynutrition.com. I hope to meet you soon. Hola, hola, chulas. Hi there, everyone. We have a very special recording today with Rebecca, who is a former No More Guilt client. Delina, I'm thrilled to introduce you to Rebecca. She was always a uh, wise and calming presence in our groups. (laughs) I am so happy to have you here, Rebecca. Do you mind introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about you before we jump in talking about what the food freedom journey really is like? Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. It's really exciting to meet you, Delina, as well. I know Melissa quite well at this point. Yes, <laughs> um, I'm excited. Uh, so my name my name is Rebecca. I'm 23 years old. I'm originally from Long Island, but I've been living in Israel for the past five years or so. Um, I'm an art history student. Um, I'm an artist, musician, um, marketing consultant, and now an ex-dieter. Um, I'd love to put that on my resume <laughs> as well. Um, oh, damn, look at you. <laughs> I feel like it needs, to, it needs to be mentioned. Like it's something I'm really proud of. It's something that I would, you know, I'm, I'm happy to list. You are someone that excites me so much, Rebecca, because I think a lot of folks that I work with wait a really long time to address food struggles, their relationship to their body, you being someone who is younger, uh, who invested in this journey sooner means you get more years of your life that you get to reap the benefits. So, you know, I think a lot of times we tell ourselves like, oh, it's not that bad or whatever. You know, I've always struggled with this. It's normal. And so I just appreciate that you're going to have more time to enjoy what you've been learning. (laughs) Yeah, me too. (laughs) I, I know that you do. So, you know, today really is about talking about what a food freedom journey really is like. I think a lot of our listeners are probably following lots of people on social media, they're reading the books, and this whole health at every size movement can feel kind of philosophical for a lot of people. Like, isn't that pretty? Wouldn't that be a nice thing to to be able to do? Um, So we want to talk today about what it's like really to notice that you're having these struggles, make the choice to make a change and then go through it. So our first question for you is this idea of giving up. I hear this a lot when people are making the choice to join uh, the programs. You know, did it ever feel like that for you that you were giving up by choosing a food freedom journey? Yeah, I think that was probably my greatest fear 
that prevented me or, you know, was my hesitance before starting for real and was always kind of the thing holding me back from giving, you know, going into it all, all the way. And I had this sense that, you know, food freedom will mean that I'm giving up on my health or it means I'm giving up on the chance of ever reaching the thin ideal. And, you know, in some ways it, it is giving up on, you know, the thin ideal, not on health at all, which mm -hmm. I learned <laughs> at, at later points. But I think, especially because for me, my uh, history with restriction and dieting was so wrapped up in this concept of, of it's for my health. Mm -hmm. And I was almost embarrassed to even admit it's for my body uh, because if I care about how my body looks or, oh, that's so shallow, I don't want to tell people I'm dieting. Or I think also, you know, my history of restriction dieting started at a pretty young age and being, you know, a teen girl and my friends all had different bodies than me. I didn't want to admit that I was in a place where I was trying to diet or change my body, uh, that my friends weren't, they were eating, you know, quote unquote, normally, because mm -hmm. what even is normal? We all have our own relationships to food. But uh, I think because of that, that, you know, I, I really was very concerned with that health piece of it. Um, and I think that was one of the things that came up in, you know, we did a, a discovery call before I started Norm, mm -hmm. No More Guilt. And that was one of the first, you know, concerns I brought up was, does this mean I'm giving up? And I think I remember Melissa saying that, you know, not at all. It's actually, it's kind of the opposite. Um, and I think it wasn't until I actually kind of did the program and uh, started like going deeper into everything that I understood how it wasn't giving up. I think I kind of had to get the information uh, to feel that eventually. It took some time, I will yeah. say. Yeah. And that's such an interesting idea, right? The idea it's giving up prevents you from learning the information you need to understand to realize it's not giving up. Yeah, and so exactly. it does take a bit of a leap of faith to say, okay, like, let me look under this rock and see what's going on here. Exactly, so yeah. yeah, that really resonates with me because we can really get in our head that there's only one path and then that becomes the truth. Yeah. What ultimately made you decide it was worth uh, digging in and learning a bit more? Uh, well, I think you will, you mentioned before this idea that, you know, we discover health at every size or food freedom and it remains philosophical. And I was definitely in that space. Like I just happened upon, you know, just the right Instagram account. And then my mind was blown and I was like, wait a second, is this, is this true? I'm my whole perception of, of health and, and weight and food is changing. And then that kind of led me into uh, getting health at every size. And I read the book and the whole time I was just like, this is crazy. My mind is blown. How is this possible? And was deeply comforted. Like, wait, my body is maybe actually already okay the way it is. I'd like to believe that. I don't know if I can yet. And, uh, but I read a lot of books. I read Effa Diet. I followed a bunch of people on Instagram, but things definitely remained kind of more in a, in the cognitive realm mm -hmm. than in the practical realm. Right. Um, and there are all these things I really wanted to believe, but I just felt like how, how is this true? Or how do I synthesize my actual in my actual life? How do I do this? Mm -hmm. You know, or let's say I believe in health at every size, 
so now what, how do I eat? I don't know how to eat. Like I always, I always say, I feel like a baby learning to eat for the first <laughs> time in so many ways. Um, because I, that's true. Like I'm totally rediscovering how I like to eat and what I like to eat and when I like to eat yeah. and, you know, um, so I think that, that kind of getting, feeling like I had this information, now what do I do with it, made me feel like it was very necessary to uh, go on this journey, not just in a information gathering way, but in a, what are the skills that I need mm -hmm. to do this kind of a way. Yeah. And you did a nice job breaking it into the two parts, which is like applying it to your plate to this, uh, I'm a baby, how do I feed myself feeling needs to be resolved. And how do I apply it into my attitudes toward myself in a practical way. And I think a lot of times in the program, we talk about how, um, you know, affirmations and positive psychology and all of these things we learn about like self-esteem and, and building ourselves up are fabulous, wonderful. But if they're not linked to the specific body worries you have, if you haven't taken that message and really connected it to your concerns, values, and desires, it doesn't stick and you don't get the reward. So I think you did such a beautiful job with that in the program, really kicking the tires. And you definitely challenged me during sessions from time to time, trying to get good answers, especially around the health questions. Isn't yeah. that the best feeling though? Like when people challenge us and we're like, but we know what to say. <laughs> like we know Because we've gone through it too. We've gone we through it too. And it's, it's again, it's that, fear of the unknown it's like I think it's also that people want to know every answer and sometimes when we we respond with we might not know the answer and you have to kind of like dig deep into yourself it's really scared because we don't want to be connected to our bodies we don't want to be connected to ourselves we want other people mm -hmm. to tell us what to do how to do it when mm -hmm. to do it right like that's kind of how like we've grown up as a mm -hmm. society especially diet culture because it tells us that We'll tell you what to do. You do it. If you do it right, it'll work. You if win you the don't prize. Do it, yeah, you win the prize. And yeah. if you don't, it's your fault, right? So when you come and work with us and we're like, no, 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 that's not how it works here. <laughs> You're going to have to like dig deep and figure out what is going to work for you. We're not here to tell you what to do. We're just here to educate and kind of help you find your way in your body. Mm -hmm. And that's that part, scary. Yeah. It takes, that's the part I think that takes bravery and like you said it is scary especially when you have given yourself so over to to the rules of whatever diet or restriction you're following yeah. and it gives you a sense of comfort because even if I don't feel good even if I don't feel good about myself every part of me is telling me like this isn't right for me but I'm following it so I'm doing the right thing and I think also if you lean toward an amount of perfectionism which a lot of people a lot of women uh and I think a lot of people who experience dieting do then I mean it can be like a drug it can be absolutely dangerously addictive because everything is so clear it's either right or wrong I'm doing it right or I'm doing it wrong I'm either gaining or I'm losing and either I'm, you know, I'm thin or I'm fat. And there's kind of this, there's no nuance, there's no in between, there's no intuition, there's no gentleness there. Um, and it can be, it can be scary to, to admit that I have to actually try something new and maybe it also won't be the right thing. And I try something else. And uh, those are skills that 
you know, I, I say baby because children do that so naturally and intuitively. They just try new things and, and it's okay. And I think as adults, we kind of, you know, we lose that a little bit. We get, we get very uh, scared and we look for rules. We look for diet structure and, and uh, you know, that's, that's a huge part of the food freedom journey. Mm, it's so true. And this idea that I'm dieting, like the lows are lows, but the highs can be high. I think that's something that probably yeah. is worth addressing. Like when you are feeling in stride of your diet cycle, there are rewarding feelings yeah. and a thrill that can come from that. And that's part of the process is being able to create space when you feel discomfort, not using dieting to create those thrills and rewards. Anymore. Exactly. Because what goes up must come down. And <laughs> that is, that is a known, known experience at this point, right? If you've seen that, you know, how many times in your life for you, Rebecca, have been since your teens, you know, you got to a point even so young where it had been enough. It had been enough of that roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a exhausting ride. And I think if you don't even know that there's another way, uh, mm. you know, that's kind of, I, I think I thought for so long that this is, or kind of because things that were taught to me at a young age about, you know, this is your genetics are to be in this type of a body. And so you're destined to have to eat a certain way to combat that mm. because mm. being in a body that is bigger is so obviously unhealthy. So you end, you know, imperfect and, you know, insert all of these other just completely untrue uh, things that you kind of have to diet. And I think I, you know, seeing from other people who are role models to me from a young age, doing similar things was kind of like, if I'm going to be in this body, that's just my fate to have mm -hmm. to try to change it for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. um, if I'm not lucky like other people to have the type of metabolism that lets me eat whatever I want, like, yeah. which also isn't even true. There's just, these are just completely misconstrued, you know, things that were taught about different body types get to eat different things. Mm -hmm. Or it's almost like I felt this was predestined for me from such a young age. Um, you know, it's just, it's just a relief to know that's, that's just not the case. Um, I think one of the things that was my first, like, you know, the first crack in the diet culture for me, that was like, maybe this is impossible is the fact that I am in a bigger body and I'm married to someone who is not. And for about three years, we're eating almost the exact same things <laughs> because we're eating all the same food at home and seeing the way that that either affected my body or affected his body or didn't affect my body didn't affect you know being like wait maybe it doesn't make as much a difference as I thought it made maybe you know this uh like maybe this we're just people different bodies are just different we just need different types of food. I mean, that's just something that we know intuitively. Seeing him eat intuitively was kind of like, how do you do that? Like, I was almost trying to teach him to diet. I'm like, don't you know that you should be eating this way? He's like, right. I don't like that. Or that's not enough food. I'm just like, no, no, no. I know better. You know, me, not the nutritionist, dietitian, intuitive eater, uh, just from what I'd been taught yeah. for so long. But here's the thing, Rebecca, from the diet culture paradigm, you probably, you were an expert. And I think that's where a lot of times um, people get frustration, even getting a recommendation to go to a dietitian for weight loss. Cause it's like, if this is true, if this paradigm's real, 
I assure you, whatever this lady's going to tell me, I could tell her, I could tell yep. it to her. And I had a client once who came to me um, after going to a dietitian for weight loss, kind of one last time to try. And she was like, I left and I cried in my car because I was so pissed off. I couldn't believe I had just sat again in a meeting, listening to someone showing me portion sizes on my palm and, you know, showing me how to like, it was like, I cannot believe I'm sitting in this exact same conversation again. Yeah. So one thing you brought up was the concerns about health. Um, I'm just curious now, having gone through a bit of the journey, I know there's things you still work on. There's still things that you're unpacking as in your work, but what are some takeaways around that health? What about health concern that you had for, you know, other people listening who really do feel concerned about their health? Yeah, I think what was complicated for me was I, you know, coming from the types of restriction I had been doing before, they felt so backed up by science, or I thought they were, or maybe in some ways, certain things, there's like pieces of truth in those studies. And I'm actually not coming from a, you know, medical or scientific background. I'm not someone who actually can read a study and know what I'm reading, but I'm trusting the people talking about it to know what they're talking about. And it sounded so convincing that I kind of just felt like, oh, it's so obviously healthy. And this is obviously the ideal diet, you know, for health. Um, and I think, so actually one of the things that was really helpful for me was using research to combat that and reading books like Health at Every Size and, and you know, working with uh, someone who does have the training in, you know, like there was a, I remember there was a point in one of our, um, one of the things that took place in No, no More Guilt groups where uh, Melissa, you broke down a study and that was saying why weight loss was healthy. And you kind of took it apart and you're like, well, you know, their sample size, this is the situation, look at their hypothesis. And I was like, wait, wait, wait hold on a second. So there, it's not just because it's a study and just because it's pure science doesn't mean that it's true. Um, and I think that, that that was one of the things that really helped me start to shift from like, I felt like I had the facts to be like, okay, maybe what I thought about health wasn't true in the first place. And I can start to shift that a little bit. And then the next piece was realizing, wait, what even is health? <laughs> like, what, what, how am I even defining this for myself? And because honestly, I was defining it, health is, was having a certain body type. And that has nothing to do with health. And if health means the way I feel and the type of life I wanna live and even just realizing like I was doing everything I could to control my health with my food. Okay, but what about like my sleep? What about my mental health? What about, you know, my friends, my family and the relationships I have and all these other aspects of health. And then the whole chunk of the pie that you can't even control you know, like my genetics and my, you know, what kind of like socioeconomic situation and background and society am I coming from? Um, these are all things that kind of, in some ways that can feel upsetting to be like, wait, part of this is predestined for me. And in another way, I felt a relief like, oh, so it's not my fault. You know, I am the way I am. And that's kind of okay. And here's the behaviors I actually can change. And I actually have like a list that I like physically have written down for myself 
to remind myself when I'm feeling, you know, that kind of like feelings of body grief or am I really doing the right thing for my health, health of the things that I actually can change. I'm like, you can do gentle nutrition. You can move, you can call your therapist, you can drink more water, you could brush your teeth, you can just these kinds of, you know, you can take a nap, you can sleep more and kind of just quantifying, this is what I actually can do. This is what's actually my control. Everything else, whatever the outcomes are after that, that's it, That that is, that's just, that's how it was meant to be. Yeah. And yeah. I just need to, you know, let go of that and let it be. Mm-hmm. So beautiful. It's true before and it's true now, right? There, there are certain things we can control and there are certain things that we can't. And that is an uncomfortable reality. I think most of us through life are constantly working with that truth. <laughs> and coping with that truth as human beings. So that's where the bravery comes in and where your definition for authentic health, we, you know, we spent a whole week on that. I really press you guys to reflect on all the domains of health, to look at some of the social determinant things. And I'm just glad to hear you could pin these behaviors back to that definition because it might be different for someone else. You know, another client might look at that exercise and say, you know what, sleep isn't all that important to me, or I'm not going to prioritize that right now. So it's really driven by, by the individual and what they care about. Amazing. So one last question we have for you here is about your journey doing this through a pandemic. Um, I have clients who sometimes in the middle go, I cannot believe I'm doing this right now when my life (laughs) is nothing like it used to be. I have clients who say, I'm so glad I'm doing this right now because everything feels triggering and hard and I'm so glad to have a space to work through it. You know, what was your take learning this through a pandemic? <laughs> Do you have any thoughts on it? Um, initially, I was feeling like, you know what, this is not the right time. Mm-hmm. It's a pandemic. <laughs> I was one of the many 20-somethings who was living with their parents at the time. And it just felt like there's so much going on why in the world would, do I want to open this box right now? Uh, like, I know it's important. I want to do it. There's no way now's the time. And my partner had actually said to me, like, what do you mean? Now is the perfect time <laughs> for you because things are so crazy and they're so hard. And don't you want the support system? And don't you want this uh, network? And I think for me personally, that happened to be true. I think you need to you know, think about yourself and think about how much capacity do I have? Because I think I didn't really anticipate uh, how much capacity this needed or how much I wanted to give into it once I had started it. Cause I was like, wait, this is awesome. I want to give this my hundred. I only have 10 <laughs> um, out of a hundred. That's kind of what, what I realized. But uh, you know, the fact knowing that I could always come back to it and knowing that this is a, a, literally lifetime journey kind of took a little bit of that of that pressure off and I think in so many ways the pandemic has brought out some of our worst behaviors it's definitely required us to bring out all the coping mechanisms Mm -hmm. and without putting judgment on what those coping mechanisms are some of them don't feel great and I think that was really true for me was I was finding myself leaning toward restriction again and leaning toward like, we're going crazy at home. Why don't I just start doing this crazy diet? Or 
I'm feeling super stressed and anxious and I just don't want to eat anything. I'm also kind of feeling like that I know that's not right either. I need some structure here. Um, and I think that choosing to do this, uh, you know, actually start the course and, and no more guilt during this time for me was really perfect. Um, and I'm so, so grateful that, that I took the leap when I did. And I will say that I think a lot of people, um, I know a concern that has come up for some other people in our group was just what's going to happen when normal life resumes. Like, I'm going to do all this work. I'm in my own house with like, just me and the people living there. I'm just alone. And okay, that's one thing. But what happens when I'm back in the workplace? Or what happens when I have to go to Thanksgiving dinner with my family again? Right. And <laughs> and I, I think I have had the chance to experience that a little bit because I was in uh, my parents' house and then came back to Israel. And we are kind of uh, like have a, our own little pod here with my husband's family. And that gave me the opportunity to experience, okay, I learned all these skills before when I was back in New York and with my family and now I'm in Israel with them and I was afraid of how it would translate. And I was incredibly pleasantly surprised by myself, kind of realizing that these skills did take root and I'm not feeling, you know, my worst fears didn't come true and I'm not automatically triggered into dieting because of someone made a silly comment or, you know, I'm eating what I want and how much my body wants, you know, regardless of who else is at that meal. And I think that what makes that happen or, you know, the thing that the magic behind that is the skills. It's like mm -hmm. the actual I'm in this situation, what are the skills of my toolkit? Mm -hmm. You know, what can I actually pull out right now in this moment? Um, and in a way, I feel like kind of this like quarantine pandemic lockdown at home period can really be a playground for those things. Like you can play and figure it out in your own space in your own time, in your own kitchen yeah. and, <laughs> right. and your own dining group table. And then, you know, show up when we can go out in the world again. And I don't, I don't think they're going to disappear there. And also, cause I think your body and your, you know, your mind, your psychology knows how much better this feels than the alternatives. I think we, you know, we might make mistakes. We might learn new things, but I think I will always be inclined to know what feels better now. Mm. Um, or at least that that's, that's my, that's my impression. That's my hope that I'm feeling right now. Yes. And I think that what you're saying is so important because people fear that this might be just another quote unquote diet, right? Like people are also afraid because they see this. They've been burned. They've been burned before. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for like finishing that <laughs> for me. And also because IG is full of a lot of non, like the posts are, are missing nuance, right? When you work with us, you get those nuance, you get how to apply this to you, to your everyday life. And so when you finally realize like, holy crap, like I have all these tools in my <laughs> toolkit, but I also want, you know, and I hope that you, you feel this way too, Ra uh, Rebecca, I was going to call you Rachel, holy crap, <laughs> Rebecca, um, that like, I, I would hope that you have comfort that if, you know, you fall into some sort of like diety trap that you have self-compassion for yourself as well, to know yeah. that this is a journey, to know that, you know, this is something that it's going to be ever-changing. You're going to be creating new tools as you move forward in your life because you have now those skill sets. Um, and 
and not to be so like rough on yourself when shit hits the ceiling because it's gonna happen <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> melissa stop laughing at i love it i love it it's it's, it's a bit imagery is <laughs> <laughs> and i think that for you the 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 surprise in this is that like oh the tools were there and I knew which ones to pick up at the right time. And that's where I think the, the programs can sort of simulate that a little bit, even if the quarantine isn't fully exposing you. In a way, it's kind of a gift because if you're constantly being triggered while you learn, right? It's like if somebody said like sprint from here to the end of a basketball court, but there's gonna be a bunch of obstacles along the way, you know, it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be hard to do that. But if you remove all the obstacles, you get to know what that feels like you can really train um, so I think that that is probably a benefit of this moment. And one other thing I just noticed when you were speaking was this desire you had to do it a hundred percent. Like once you got in, you're like, this is awesome. I love how it feels. You wanted to like almost excel at intuitive eating and, and take it yeah. all in now. And I think part of that comes from the relief it gives you and you want the outcome, of course, but part of it is like the, the perfectionism too, that can kind of intersect as people learn this. Yeah. Um, and then you mentioned that like, sometimes you're only able to go at 10% capacity. I think that's worth noting here that like, maybe it didn't even feel like you could go all in hundred percent, but it didn't matter. Like 10% is often enough. If you can engage in these skills a little bit, you get traction and that makes you feel yeah. good and that goes forward. So to anyone listening, who's like, I can't start until the conditions are right. They're never right. Start <laughs> and get yeah. that benefit. Yeah. Um, it, it certainly almost always pays off. Yeah. And I think what you mentioned about perfectionism, it really, uh, we, we speak a lot about the black and white mm -hmm. of the diet culture and the, you know, the on and off and foods are good or they're bad. Or, you know, I think, I think that um, intuitive eating can pose a particular challenge for anyone who's challenged by nuance. <laughs> uh, and that's, that's worth noting as well that, you know, if you're going to try this out, it, you're not going to know the answer necessarily. And it might, you know, take some time to take root and to figure out and, you know, making, making mistakes and not knowing the answer is a very uncomfortable, but brave and important place to be. And it also takes time. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, I can say now having, I, I've, it's been about four or five months since uh, I started No More Guilt. And I'd say like, it was another year or so before that, since I first heard about health at every size in the first mm -hmm. place. And from where I was about a year and a half ago or a year or so to now, like it's, it's incredible for me, for what I was looking at, what I was eating, what I was interested in doing with and to my body. Um, but it changes from month to month. So a year ago I was unfollowing accounts on Instagram that I was like, you know what, I don't want to follow food bloggers, diety people anymore. And now like almost a year and a half later, I'm like, Hmm, joyful movement sounds interesting now. And, you know, I think, I think that's important to note that that's only like a year and change and, and this is something we've spoken about before, but the, the, how many years have you dieted for? How many years lie ahead of me of, you know, food freedom. And if you've been dieting five years or 10 or 20, 
it's not so crazy to think that it might take some time for your body and your brain and your heart to, you know, become realigned and re, you know, <laughs> retrained in this new, uh, in this new construct. So I, I appreciate that for myself. And if I were to give advice to anyone who's kind of on the fence about that or just starting, it's that, you know, it, it may take us some time and that's, and that's okay. Also, that's a part of it. Yeah. It's the best advice you could give. It's just patience to be open and curious to this new way, especially if you're certain the old way isn't working. And that's something that I think Delina and I just feel so excited by in our work. Like we know a lot of you out there know you're done with dieting, how Rebecca was feeling unfollowing, but you don't know your next step. And we know how uncomfortable that can feel. And so that's amazing advice to say, it doesn't have to happen immediately or tomorrow. You just gotta get started in the new yeah. way. Don't stay stuck. Rebecca, you are such a graceful, kind, open person. You are always someone in our group that others could lean on. Delina, do you get why they call her the wise one in our group? Yeah, now I get it. <laughs> truly, <laughs> truly. She has this ability to, uh, once she sees something she's interested in, just pull that thread and be curious until she, she finds what it means to her. So Rebecca, I just can't thank yeah. you enough for taking the time to share your journey um, I hope that it helps some of the listeners out there who've been grappling yeah. with what this journey means. You are such a role model to others. Thank you. And I, I hope so too. I really, I, I hope that, you know, if this could speak to someone who is either on the fence or just starting out or in that place between, I know diets don't work, but what the heck <laughs> do I do now? <laughs> you know, I know what that space feels like. And, uh, you know, if I could in any way speak to that person, speak to who I was a year ago, six months ago, that would, you know, be wonderful. And I think we, you guys, you know, you change the world one, one client, one person, one, <laughs> has one post at a time and to be, you know, a little part of that, just spread, spread the good word yeah. uh, means a lot. We have a feel your feelings episode that will air uh, just before yours. So if yes. you haven't heard that one yet, go back on feeling feelings. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca, thank you again. Um, I will see you around and I just, uh, I'm just so thrilled for you and what you've been able to build for yourself. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you both. Thanks Keep Rebecca. All right. Bye everybody. Bye. Bye. Whoa. Okay, Melissa, this was such an amazing episode. It was a joy. I, I'm like Rebecca, so thrilled. Oh my God. Re Rebecca is just such a wise human being. Like she was able to take everything that's in our brain <laughs> and literally just bring it down to what our clients feel. Mm -hmm. like she, I don't know. I don't even know. I'm, I'm speechless. It's why it's important to like learn this with people who go through it you know especially if you're someone who's like okay none of my friends get this mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um my family doesn't get it mm, I'm in a larger body I'm facing all mm -hmm. these different experiences mm -hmm. to have someone who goes through it with you yeah. this is Rebecca offered that to the group it, it was incredible to see her yeah. ability to put things to words mm -hmm. and then she would borrow from other people in the group yeah. you know to to yeah try things out on our own and it's it's so great to see it right because we're both holding groups mm -hmm. and you know we see this it becomes such a like a community mm -hmm. right of 
of being able to to not be afraid to say something because you're going to be judged, right? right? You can go into our groups and you can say when you're having a shitty day. I tell everyone all the time, like, it's not all unicorns and rainbows. I actually want you to come into the yeah. groups. I've had someone, I had someone ask me actually, like, is it okay if I say when I'm having a bad day? And I'm like, yes, I want you to come in and say yeah. when you're having a bad day because you all can lift each other up, right? There's there's that community feeling that that we want to provide for you because right. we know how difficult it is to not have family members understand what you're doing, to not have friends understand what you're doing to maybe not have your partner understand right. what you're doing and it's okay for your partner and your friends and your family not to understand but you shouldn't have to feel alone and that's why we are providing this right. for you because we don't want you to feel alone it helps to take that step and you know there are things that go on sometimes where you have to advocate mm-hmm. for yourself so mm-hmm. you know rebecca talked a lot about that in this recording um and to be able to get the momentum and the catharsis to say, look, like yeah. sometimes people in larger bodies are navigating things at the doctor's office mm-hmm. that are different than people mm-hmm. in straight sized bodies. There's different experiences. You need a space to cope with that. Yeah. And it inspires other members to think about, and I hope everyone thinks about yeah. how do we dismantle this? How do yeah. we make it safer for everybody? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's, that's my hope is that as individuals heal, we yes. all are doing different things um, yeah. in the society. So it's easier for us to find. Yeah. And, and we're all in different places on our journey. So mm-hmm. being able to see people that, you know, maybe are just starting or someone who's just getting into this idea, like you're able to see all different aspects mm-hmm. of, of how people have been dealing or um, what, what tools they might've come up with. You for know, sure. we, we provide you all with tools, but you all, sometimes you all tell me some things and I'm like wow I'm so proud of you I'm like a proud mama over the magic, here the magic um so I have a question for you oh gosh when you are learning in a group space what are mm-hmm. you like um like a, a you child? would think that I would be really loud but I am actually very much like quiet and you little shy I am I am I am I it takes me a while to to warm up to people mm, I didn't find that in, in my experience, am with, I just, with me? yeah, like, do you just like really, really like me or something? Cause like, I feel like, I feel like well, okay. So when we <laughs> met guys, so this is how we met. Melissa stalked my life. Okay. She we both were messaging each other. I want, can I get the fact checkers, please? <laughs> we were both part of a group actually. We were, we were but we weren't group. in the group together at the same time though. Yes, we were. That's how I found you. But I never commented or Maybe did I was anything. Stalking you. See, because I never actually participated. Okay. Think okay. about it. I became aware of you. You did become aware of yes. me. And then the wind symposium was coming up. This mm-hmm. is before shit hit the ceiling with COVID. Exactly. And it was right, actually right before lockdown, literally like two weeks or three weeks yeah. before lockdown. Um, and I remember in the news, there was like a cruise ship outside New York City yeah. with freaking coronavirus. And you and I were yeah. like, we gotta yep. get the heck out of here. Yeah, we gotta get out of here. Um, yeah, <laughs> I remember that. Anyway, so Melissa was like, are you going to this conference? And I was like, yeah, actually I am. And I don't know, who asked two to room together? I don't, I don't know. know. Who it was. I was like, we why use, yeah. I was like, why use this to book? Uh, and you were like, cool. So we booked two rooms not next to each other even though they were supposed to be next to each other in separate floors but 
Yeah. It was so and fun. That met, was a great yeah, time. We were fun. But yeah, but when we were in the group, I was still sitting next to you. So yeah, we were still talking. It wasn't like I was by myself. True. True. So if I would have been by myself, I would have been very much. Well, quiet. that's how I can be too, is like I can be very as outgoing as I am. It's like I like to feel safe. I'm trying to fight that a little bit more and like just say the stupid thing and like, you know, be myself. Yeah. But but I can I be that. honest? Do you know why I feel that way though? Why? Because I'm always one of the few non-white dietitians yeah. in a room. Yeah. So for me, it comes from a place of like, you know, like remember Not when we did that? Totally safe. Yeah. Remember when we did yeah. the like the walking thing mm-hmm. and I was like left behind and you like gave me your hand. And I was like, <laughs> so the walking exercise she's referring to, um, maybe others have done this through leadership trainings or things like that, but essentially everybody lines up in a room and the facilitator says, okay, step forward. If you've ever dealt with a race discrimination, or mm-hmm. you've been discriminated because of your size or your gender mm-hmm. or your sexual orientation. Um, and essentially people who haven't experienced it, excuse me, move mm-hmm. forward and people who have stay behind. And it's a really mm-hmm. emotional exercise yes. to go through. Um, yeah. Well, maybe you were warmer there because it was that kind of environment where we yes. were talking about those things. Yeah. 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 In our practice, for sure. No, I get it. And that's why I think like whenever people join groups, I am always working to help like connect people and facilitate and make it feel safe. Cause I've been in the other seat before too, mm-hmm. where you, there's like a balance between like too much structure and not enough yeah. structure in yeah. groups where it's like, Oh, <laughs> you get too nervous. So I tend to be the one that doesn't have enough structure. <laughs> well, you know, everybody has a different sweet spot. We're learning. We're learning. We're learning and going. We have structure. I do have structure. I do. I learned from my first mistakes. That's right. We learn from our clients. So we learn and we evolve. All right, my friends. Well, I just want to, again, thank Rebecca just for being such just a wonderful person and for coming on the show. It means a lot to me that she was able to share her story with all of you and the work we did in the program. Um, I guess we got to run here, Delena. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're listening, please, please, please <laughs> leave us a review wherever you found our podcast so that other women like you who are hoping to heal their relationship with food, with their bodies can find us. Or maybe you can tell a friend about our podcast. Word of mouth is how we get found. Sharing these posts helps us to break the diet cycle through a grassroots sort of uh, approach. So yeah. make sure to let friends know if you think they'd benefit from our work. And until next time, we hope to see you on Insta, just like we found each other, my friend. Uh, who She's talked to? She's talked to me. I <laughs> kindly disagree. Uh, thank you for being here with us in this episode and for being who you are. Peace, love, and break the diet cycle.